everybody, welcome to another edition of the Wake Up Late with Dougie Show. I am your host, Dougie Almeida, coming to you live from Simpsonville, South Carolina, where I am blending in. We have a great show today. I'm calling this show and labeling it the International Traveler Show. Uh, two guests, a good friend of mine who's been on the show before, a fellow Coral Springsian, if that's a word, and a new person, a new friend I just met and never met, just spoke, and I got to see his face a little bit before. Uh, but, uh, and we're going to join the comedian that traveled the country. Always interesting topic. So without further ado, let's bring on today's guest here on the Wake Up Late with Dougie show. First of all, long timer, my good friend, Mr. Brian Offenther and Slade Ham. What's up, fellas? What's up? How are you? Good to be here. I'm not a new person. Nice to see you, Dougie. I've been a person for 40 something. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't, you didn't just fall out of the sky, you know? No, I've been peopling for a while. Ancient alien theorists would say uh, yes. This is Brian. my third time, Dougie, being on the show. Does that mean I get like a jacket or something? Like yeah, I, pretty soon uh, Tom Hanks. And, club? Pretty soon Tom Hanks and Steve Martin yeah. are going to come over to your house and, and share a cigar. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the privileges good. of being on the show. All right. Uh, well, let's get to meet our, since we never met us. Uh, start, start with Slade here. You're a comedian. You're char- you travel the world as I've looked at stuff and uh why don't you tell us a little about who you are and and and, and why we need in a nutshell I've, I've been i've been telling stories for 23 years uh, i do stand-up comedy i i shoot some films i write books uh it's just i've just been literally dodging a real job since i was 18 and i've ended mm-hmm. up here and it's wonderful uh 56 countries i think you may have me beat brian um the uh it's i've just i enjoy i enjoy traveling i enjoy being out there i enjoy seeing this weird weird world as a little kid from southeast texas who was probably never supposed to get out like i'm supposed to be working firewatch somewhere in a plant and you know <laughs> i just got back from africa so here we are <laughs> cool brian let's uh, remind our audience a little bit about you mr uh, border dj breaker DJ Bo, no stops, no caps, no brags, just facts. Shanghai's number two DJ. And uh, yeah, so I am, I'm from Coral Springs, just uh, like Dougie. Go back to the old uh, wake up late from Dougie theme. And uh, I moved out to Asia. I lived in Mongolia a couple of years for initially with the Peace Corps and uh, went back to South Florida for a while. And now I'm based in Shanghai. And um, I DJ, I produce events, I do A&R for record labels, um, and uh, I edit books. We just have a new book coming out. And this might be the last time I go on Dougie's show because uh, very soon I'll be making my first pro wrestling managing appearance for Middle Kingdom Uh. Pro Wrestling here in China. And if it doesn't go the way I want it to with uh, my client, Kyle the Coyote against uh, Little Johnny. I might get squashed in the mat, but that's not going to happen because Kyle the Coyote yeah. is going to number one. <laughs> All right. Well, Slade, do you think you can help him out yeah. if, if I'm not getting squashed? <laughs> oh, boy. Got to edit that out. His finisher is the max headroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought the wrestler already put him in a chokehold. Can't say chokehold uh, nowadays. It's a bad, bad expression to be using. Uh, well, welcome to the show. You, so, all right. So it depends you, on if the person's into it. 
Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. Um, you know, you, uh, a slave. Now you, I, you're here from Texas and interesting when I was looking at stuff, I just assumed you were from another country. So that's interesting. Uh, now you, you <laughs> said you're just, you were just in Africa. Yeah. Well, one Texas has its, we look at ourselves as a little bit independent. We're not totally, you know, privately we, we haven't seceded, but up here we've, we've sort of stepped out. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was nice. I was in uh, the parts of Africa you wouldn't normally go to if you were going to Africa on purpose. Um, we were in Niger, Kenya, and then Djibouti, which um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the country. If you don't know where Djibouti is, it's just south um, of Jabal's. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's never, that's never not fun to me. Uh, <laughs> it, it, so it was, it was, it was. We actually have a comic in South Florida who's from, uh, I think he was based in Djibouti as a, as a military guy. So yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You know, documents that really well on his podcast. It was cool. It was a cool listen. Yeah, we had, uh, it was, it's interesting to go to the places where no one ever goes. Like some of the spots we hit were recent terrorist attacks in the last five to seven years. I think Niger, had an incident in Agadez with some special forces guys. And then there were some, uh, something that had gone down on the airstrip in Kenya, uh, where Al Shabaab had attacked in 2020. So we're like, we're the first people getting out there and I don't know how long, and you can just kind of sense the stir crazy nature of people who have been trapped in one place for seven months without being able to leave. And it's 112 degrees outside. And you're like, you know, or do, or do the terrorists hate us? Or are they just blowing themselves up to cool off? Like this actually yeah. get a little breeze. <laughs> I got to like my, I got a lot to put a chest bomb on just so I can get a little breeze fucking nose air. Exactly. Uh, so much warmer. Yeah. Well, I got to hand it to you both. I'm going to ask you, Brian, in a second, but I, I'm at that point. I mean, I'll travel domestically, but I, I am not for long flights and, and going places like that. Uh, I had a friend talking about going to Mexico for stem cells. I will never set foot in Mexico again. Uh, you know, uh, just that simple. Um, and and you're in and you're in Shanghai. I mean, China's the world's the eyes of the world are on China as we speak. And and there's my buddy Brian sitting in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, I'm no, I have not been to as many nations as Slade. I've I've DJed in 29 nations. Although I think I'm going to about to be the first DJ in every single province in China. I've performed in 40 cities in China so far. Um, I, to me, like there's just so much of the world to see, uh, and uh, I, I'm not going to let inconvenience or things worry me. I know we're going to be talking about um, danger to travel and things like that, and to mm -hmm. me, it's it's a worthwhile risk because the experiences that you have um, are just too worthwhile. I've been trying to get Dougie to come out to Asia. He's got a Cambodia yeah. connection, and uh, it hasn't happened yet, although... The first time I came to the Wake Up Play for Dougie Studios in Coral Springs, I had brought oh, some Mongolian wasted. vodka. I don't oh, think Dougie <laughs> remembers it very oh, much. Oh, my God. So in tribute to wow. that, I, I brought some of that. Yeah, I was speaking Cantonese, Mandarin, I should say, after. <laughs> I think it's because your eyes got it's okay. <laughs> Brian, how do you say I got to take a piss in the man in, in you guys speak it? Yeah. The universal sign, we all know the universal sign of choking is this. Like if you're any country in the world, you're like, uh, you know, I'm fucking choking. And any sign in the world, where's the bathroom? Just grab your dick. Got to piss. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Got to piss. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, you're in a room with you know three three chicks and a hole in the wall in the bathroom. Um, I don't start there. That's usually my last resort, but I will I will grab it if necessary. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, that's I think that's the official sign for pissing. Um, so you know, yeah. So so we're, and you're right. We're going to get into that. Let's actually do that. Let's do the. Let me ask you. Uh, you guys tour the country. You've been around. Uh, you've been to other places more than I have. I you know I, you guys were all in Africa and China, and I was in. Uh, I was in New Smyrna Beach, South Florida, and I was in Myrtle Beach. So that that gives you an idea. So, uh, do, yeah, do, do, does the rest of the world, since you do, you know, do they hate America? Right, you can go first. I have my thoughts. I, well, I mean, uh, I, what I would say is, and um, I, I think that you know, let, let me watch this drop. I think um, Slade referenced this really well on his end of 2022 podcast that I think you have to create things. And then if the audience um, appreciates it, that's kind of a separate thing because it's about the act of creation. Did I summarize your, your 2022? Well, yeah, I've been checking out your <laughs> well stuff. Done. I appreciate it. I, I, I think um, what the, what's important to remember is that most people don't care about most things most of the time. And I'm sure you've experienced that Dougie being on the road when you're like, oh, I have a gig here. And then the next day someone's like, oh, Dougie, when you come into town? And they're like, oh, I missed it or whatever. You know, most people are kind of in their circle, in their zone. So to say most people do anything other than, you know, go to their job and uh, eat dinner is is really much. Most people are in their bubble and most people just... Uh, you know, it's just not even on their radar and they appreciate mm. American culture and things, but even the places that have been directly negative affected by American intervention, you get over things pretty quickly because you got your own shit to deal with. That's yeah, my good thought. point. Totally fair. It's to me, I think the rest of the world is unfair, not unfairly, but disproportionately focused on us more than we are them, right? The rest of the world, every other country, including us every country on the planet focuses on yeah. two things themselves and america we are the the focal point of the globe what happens here dictates what happens everywhere else financially culturally entertainment wise mm. so the rest of the world is all looking at their stuff hey this is what it's like to live in canada and then they go also i have to process america so what ends up looking and like we don't we don't think about japan or you know maybe me and brian do more than other people but the average American doesn't have an opinion on Belgium. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, they yeah. just don't. So the rest of the world just kind of has to make a binary. I either like America or I don't. And we end up hearing the loudest ones, which are the ones who hate it. And that's what it yeah. looks like on Twitter and social. They're just, they got to yeah. have an opinion. Uh, a microcosm is Florida because Florida has some very open laws in terms of being able to, um, have laws, stories, Do bath salts, and live on a bridge that go into politics. Well, that stuff too. But I think that stuff even gets uh, overcompensated for the fact that because Florida has such open laws in terms of the media and following criminal news reports, that it gets a lot of attention. America has very open media stuff like Wake Up Play for Dougie um, or whatever news or whatever podcast that you get your information from. Because of that, it creates its own sort of vacuum 
of information and news and a lot of other places just don't have that sort of flow and it comes from the size of america and it comes from that sort of spirit of uh we don't give a shit right well and also i think the the people who hate america are always the people who hate some idea of america they don't actually hate right. america because they've never been to america and you're like if you just came yeah. there's so many reasons go to detroit like you can hate america there's reasons yeah. it's just yeah. not the ones they exactly go go to san detroit's francisco better. go go take a nice barefoot walk in the streets of san francisco and tell us how much you like there you go um, I puncture. yeah you know <laughs> yeah and it's free you know, then hepatitis C you get with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I had this theory about, you know, America that there I, I've named San Francisco, I've named Portland. Uh, and I'm trying to think what the other one was. It's, uh, but, uh, as our, as our modern day ghost towns in this country in the next seven to 10 years, uh, we're going to have modern day ghost towns in this country. Definitely on its way. They, um, they said the same thing about New York in the seventies when they had white flight there. And then, you know, it got, it gets cleaned up. Those major metropolitan areas have had their ups and downs. I think they'll be okay. Well, you know, even like LA, I mean, people, you know, listen, people are leaving California in droves and, you know, and now they're talking about reparations, you know, but they may, I mean, it's never going to pass that. I don't think it's ever, but they're saying that people have to pay some sort of reparation. So, you know, yeah, if you want to live in, if you want to live in California, you got to make $8.9 million a year so that you can clear $50,000 a year. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough gig, uh, but, but LA because of the movies, the weather and all kinds of shit, that'll keep a contention. New York is similar because of all the things in the, but a lot of the financial stuff has moved to Florida and Miami. Any of the financial major firms. We only have like 50 or a hundred years worth of America being situated like that, right? Like there being these big focal points, like New York being New York. And I think it's kind of like bar districts in any other city, right? You're like, oh, it used to be hot downtown. Now it's hot off Washington Avenue. Then it's hot yeah. over here in Midtown. America's just, you know, San Francisco, what happened in San Francisco or what's always taken place there in New York or anywhere else. It may not happen there anymore, but that stuff just moves. It's kind of like the flood of people to Austin right now. That's just the new yeah. Silicon Valley, really. Yeah. Like, you, you watch some film noir movies that take place in San Francisco and L.A., and it shows them as being just complete dumps. Or one of my favorite films is called Downtown 81, and it shows with Keith Haring and Basquiat and all those guys. And it shows New York as just a wasteland. And by all means, you know, with crack and everything else, there were some big issues. But now New York is New York again. Hmm. Well, I, I think it's a little, a little trouble, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, and I, but here's the thing. I think there's a, there's, there, is a, there is a migration of people. You know, I'm in South Carolina now from Florida. You know, and why did, did I leave? Mm -hmm. You know, well, no, I left. It's really nice in the summer not to worry about a hurricane blowing your house over. I'll be honest with you. So that's a nice freedom. Mm -hmm. And my homeowner's insurance being a grand instead of 10 grand a year. That's also good. So, you know, they're, 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 these things will change. People will move and these things will gradually change. You know, and uh, speaking of Florida, the NAACP and, of course, the LGBTQ have deemed Florida dangerous. Be careful. You're going to die yeah. if you go to Florida. You know, interesting concept. Uh, you know, nevertheless, uh, ranks in the at a fifty something uh, fifty states. It ranks somewhere in the top forty of hate crimes. So it's just interesting that uh, we're seeing a day and age. Florida, where... Florida should warn people about going to Florida. It should be part of their. <laughs> it should just be part of their outreach program. Hey guys, just just come on in. But also, here's a list of 
You know what I mean? Things to pay attention well, to. I think that's a great point. That's, that stuff is I, hyperbolic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great point. Yeah, that, that, thing, same... that stuff is hyperbolic. Just like when people say people hate Americans, people say the same thing about traveling different places. On a one to one basis, everyone gets fucking along. It's cool. Well, you yeah, got to look right? at a place like Florida, too. It's Florida's, again, it's you can't just hate Florida. There's parts of it that are totally hateable. And then there's parts of it that are completely different. So the East Coast is different. The panhandle is all hillbillies and people making meat in the swamps or whatever's going on. And then you get down and there's beach culture and then you come around and everything's Cubano and there's music. And then you work your way back up and it's the working class of Jacksonville. And then you're into the East Coast. So it's like there's so many different parts. There are parts of Florida, though, that are 100 percent all responsible for those Florida man stories. And I think they all exist in a little semicircle outside of Orlando. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. And, and you know what? I, I, I just think that, uh, listen, I don't want to go back. I don't want to have swamp ass ever again. Uh, Florida, Brian and I were talking about that when I go back, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm here in South Carolina. I have a condo in Florida, but, uh, I think, you know, what, why would I go back to Florida? I'm at the point, like when I just get a place in Vegas, you know, so I want to do comedy on the West Coast. I got a lot. I got a place to just stop and spend a week or two. You know what I mean? And well, live out of there. As and America naturally moves you there in 30 years. Right. So you're going back. That's everybody yeah. over 70 ends up there. That's the well, law. No. See, that's the thing. When, when you lived in Florida, I'd rather I'd rather retire in Montana. You know, just go get a, a They don't just snap and, you back like a like a 70 year old rubber band. <laughs> no matter like how far cord. you run. They go, <laughs> <laughs> It's the Florida yes. bungee cord here in the Carolinas. They call us, they call us, uh, uh what they call halfbacks is like people leave, leave, uh, uh, New York. They'll go down to Florida and they, and they come back up, have, they call people halfbacks, but I'm like, yeah, dude, you know, uh, but, uh, I love it. It's nice out. I heard it's swamp ass in Florida today. So, all right, let me get a couple other quick and quick, quick questions to ask you guys on, uh, Oh, here's a great question. I got to ask you is Lizzo sexy. Brian off there is Lizzo sexy. Come on. She's, she pushed a bunch of stuff out there in her, tape bathing suits and stuff and saying, listen, I know I weigh 5,000 pounds, but I'm sexy. Okay. Uh, I'm just asking that question. I'm not asking if she's smart, intelligent. Yeah. Is she fucking sexy? Uh, what I would say is let, 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 let me make a connection here. I, I would say that the recently deceased <laughs> Tina Turner was pretty when she was Tina younger, Turner. but she maintained a sexiness even when she was older and I think that sexiness is very much an attitude. And I don't necessarily find Lizzo attractive, but some of her songs can be sexy. And uh, sure, she's pushing outrage and getting attention. But as a pop star, that's kind of her job. But right. I would agree that when it gets to the point of unhealthiness, it's not necessarily the best thing to promote. But she's she's doing her job, pissing people like uh, yeah. old South Carolinians out. So. Yeah, but I, it is what it is. Oh, she's sexy adjacent, but no, she's not. It's she can be on in the background, but the girl lying down, absolutely not, absolutely no. not. I'm, 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 I am open to any and all things, but but little me is sizest. So, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, and you you really need some deep deep sea drilling equipment to get to get to that fucking to get to get to the I, get. I'm not. I, I, I don't, I've never been in there. I don't know if you need spelunking gear. I don't know if you need, I don't know what you, I don't know what the actual equipment need yeah. is, but yeah. I imagine you can't just go, <laughs> you can't, you can't show up at a pair of Tevas and think you're going to make it down that mountain. 
Yeah, exactly, dude. You, you know that take, that takes a lot of work, man. You that you what is, what is the word fracking? You'd have to. You may have to I may have to do some fracking to actually get to moisture when it came to me and me and her. Uh, all right, that's funny. Let's keep moving on. Um, what is the worst <laughs> car you? What is the worst car you ever owned? Uh, let's let's start with you, Slade. I oh so my I had a car that I I have a tendency to drive cars until they die. Like there is no, I don't think I've ever sold one of my cars. I've never, there's never been a moment where it's, I am just the end of the supply chain for, for whatever cars are doing. I had, my first car was a little 83 Accord and I saved up all my lawn mowing money to buy it. And then I had it for a couple of months and I got hit by a drunk driver going through a stoplight and he spun the car around and the whole brake light assembly just fell out of the back and I ended up taking the car because they offered me the insurance company paid for it and then they were like you could also pay a 200 dollars salvage fee and just keep the car and i was like well it still starts so i went and put a little boat trailer motor in the torn up wreckage of the back and it was so cool from behind it, it had one regular brake light and then it had one round look like an <laughs> eye coming out of this torn up fender and it just looked like the Terminator in the dark. And <laughs> yeah. I drove that damn car until I threw a rod through the oil pan. I think I went 15,000 miles without changing the oil finally. It oh, was, man. I did everything I could to kill that car. And it finally just gave up the ghost. Wow. Rest that, in peace, yeah. Terminator. It's great seeing those cars that have like, you know, Bob's barricade as their fucking right rear taillight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brian? Oh, I mean, I I never liked having a car like I had a, uh, a Sentra for a while when I was in Gainesville. Like one thing living in Shanghai is uh, I don't need a car. I got the subway system. I can bike around and there's high speed rail all around China. So and I, I'm trying to remember the last time I was on uh, it was either right before or right after I did a Greyhound bus trip from Florida to California. Yeah. Stopping along Ooh. the way doing gigs. And uh, I, I I love I love that sort yeah. of thing. I I just don't I like I like going places, but I've never liked the act of driving and owning a car and that sort of pain in the ass mm. thing. So, I think is there right. something past the the passive nature of travel? Like, do you get stuff done when you're on a train or a bus? Is it is it creative for you, or is it just I just rather not be in charge of the car? Um, there's some in terms of being in charge of the car and actually I do sometimes get car sick, you know, I won't let it stop me at all. Um, and like, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily get them as much done, but I just want to get to places. And, uh, I guess there's something in terms of the passiveness for it in the sense that, yeah, I would just rather deal with other things. I got other priorities. I got other stuff to deal with. Um, Interesting. I just get anxiety driving and stuff. That's true. Cause driving is about control. You know, it's like, I'm one of those people. I, I don't like being in a car with someone else. I don't know their capabilities. You know what I mean? I don't know, you know, if they, you know especially if they start looking at their phone when they're driving, you know, I get pissed, you know what I mean? But, but you know, it's something about control too. Right. But I, you know, I think more and more people are turning into that, you know, this autonomous driving thing that's on the way, you know, we are not going to get into AI, which is a huge subject, but, um, um, well, that was interesting. Um, Okay, uh, I don't know if I want to do this one. My, my phone didn't uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I don't know if you saw the thing here in the states uh, about Target. You know, they put a big pride uh, uh, display in the front of Targets. The people in the southern states have gone nuts. What the fuck is going on? God damn it! You got fucking a, tuck, a man's tuck bikini. 
You know what I mean? It's just people are fucking losing their mind. And here, here's the interesting thing. And without getting into, you know, too much exposure, because listen, I, I think people do whatever the fuck you want. You know, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I don't give a shit what you do. As long as you don't hurt anybody else or, inf- you know what I mean? It don't infringe on other people. Uh, but, you know, God almighty, like, like what, like, where have we, like, I don't know. How am I trying to put this? Uh, is it, is it, isn't it amazing? Do you, there's a lot of people that are telling me they feel like they, they never, they never had anything about gay people, but they're, they're saying that I just feel like every fucking moment of my life, it's being pushed down my throat. Every, every, like it's, you know what I mean? Why is it just not something that exists? Why do I always got to see it on my fucking face? Why does everybody gotta keep telling me I got to be this way about it? Why, you know, it's almost a little like, you know what I mean? But, but I mean, how are you supposed to market to a gay audience? Like if you have, if you have aspirations of selling, like, why is it, why is the marketing have to be to everybody? Why can't you have segmented marketing like anywhere else where it's like, Hey, we, we, the, the Bud Light thing was amazing to me. Like the amount of the, the level to which you'd have to dig to even actually find out what they did for that trans athlete. Is just it's interesting to me. It's like the only reason you know is because you went and found it to get mad, and then they go, "Oh, I can't believe you'd market to these people, Target or Bud Light or anybody else." You're just sort of like, "Well, they're marketing to them too." That's all. It's just two. Yeah. Well, it's not like they changed their I, whole ad campaign forever. <laughs> well, well, yeah. There's a couple of things with that. Number one, like for example, Doug, you sent us a news story from Fox News. So and- yeah, with. A Fox News story and the opening line is critics say, and those are the same critics that appear on Fox News. It's a way of amplifying their own sort of news cycle, which I kind of understand. And with the critics, they're going after Dylan McVaney, that that person, and as an influencer. But it's not like this is the entire face of Bud Light. It's one of right. dozens of influencers and people, and some are going to appeal to some people, and some are going to appeal to others. And who cares? Well, no. it's the it's also though. I don't think there's a whole lot of real world uh, kerfluffle about any of this. Like you said, it is this sort of circular internal argument. I think probably ninety percent of us live in a very realistic bubble and a we have a good idea of what the world is and how it should work and we know what's outside the boundaries and what isn't and we self-police pretty well and then i think there's probably five percent on either side that just likes chirping about it there's no real nobody's stopping buying bud light nobody stopped buying north face i think they were the latest one today nobody stopped doing any of this stuff it's just the desire to be a little loud and those people the 90 percent of us in the middle don't really take seriously because they're saying things like, why can't I bring my gun to a quinceanera? And if you don't let if you don't let your 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 transvestite friend uh, marry you or, or deliver your baby, then you're racist or something like that. And you just got to accept the fact that those people are nuts. They're on the outside. They're not real. The rest of us are just sort of like, oh, yeah, cool. Bud Light supports everything. These guys support everything. We're just I'm going to keep wearing this jacket and I'm going to keep going out and drinking what I drink. I'm not really going to have any. Dane, there's nothing coming from that. Well, it there's two things I want to point out. I want to point out, first of all, that the people aren't, you said nobody's not drinking. It's, it's cut. The stock is, 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 is dropped. Not only that, it's been notably down. Um, and this is just not we'll be right political. Back. This is not from, uh, we'll see. Uh, well, you know, uh, you never want to see anybody lose work over something like this. Uh, uh, but, uh, first of all, I've never drank Bud Light. I was always a Coors Light guy for a long time. 
and uh and that kind of thing so and i don't even they did a bunch anymore. of gay stuff too you better stop it they're all well they're listen, all gay listen, beers I, here, here's the here's the here's the thing i don't mind like as a person i don't you know i can i see it and i'm like oh, whatever you know I, I don't i don't i don't i don't really care in images and stuff don't influence my 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 power and my in my energy you know what i mean i don't you know i i, I just i still go the way i get i but my point is that i do see uh for a certain perspective that you know it's like you know, to me, when I think of I think of um, when I think of things, when I watch Dylan Mulvaney and the things that this guy does, uh, you know, I'm like, it's all like a child to me. Here's a grown man acting like a child. So that for me, that's the thing that irritates me when I see this guy. I'm like, oh, my God, acting like a young girl. I mean, it's like insulting to the girls. But, you know, that's my opinion of it. it's like art. He's like an artist. He's like a performer. That's, you know, that's the way I look at it. It's not something I would turn on. You know what I mean? It's not a, not these aren't jokes that I even think funny. I just. And so the fact that I agree with you that, listen, this guy wasn't like the spokesperson for Bud Light, you know, and on there all the time. And, you know, and the, and the Clydesdale is just like going, what the fuck's wrong with us? You know, I don't think I don't know. I don't know if that's a, if that's what we're talking about either. But at the same time, uh, there is with this whole thing about it is just it's made whether whether you want to talk about it or not. I, I'm not even talking about Fox News. I, put, I look up news every day for stories and things I need to read to edify. And every, everything's about trans this, trans that, trans. I'm like, what the fuck? You but know, if you like, take, what? but if you take all the stories out of the, if you take all the stories off the table, just if you remove the stuff you're reading, and then walk out the door and go into the real world, like what's the, what's what's out there, that's that everybody's yeah. so afraid of? Because I've been out there, go touch and grass. I just don't see, yeah. <laughs> I don't see the same things in the real well, world. Well, I do, I do have a friend that had it. I do have a friend that was at a school that they had a drag show, you know, thing. And it was the guy, listen, I was, I was like, that'd be, if that was my kid, I'd pull the kid out of the school because I, that, I wouldn't so how want many, that. So I wait, want wait, let me, let me ask that then. That's what I, that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm looking for. Right. So who was it? It was a, how, how many degrees of separation? From uh, I mean, somebody I speak to probably several dozen times a year. I see once or twice a year. I know through circles and, of people. And then their kid had to go to a drag show. Yeah, they were at they were at the they were, no they were at the school and they had an assembly thing and they, they did it and the, and the, you know and the, and the video you know, the video that the, actually was two kids two of his kids were there one of his child children filmed it and it was bending over it was a sexually explicit dance it wasn't you know dancing around like yeah you know so it was out of line so um, you know so th that right there so it's like first of all it, it, the whole idea of this because drag queens drag shows my my parents are from spain it's a huge thing they love watching the drag shows and they are they're a great level of entertainment it's fun to go watch but just as much as i'm not taking my fucking six-year-old to three-year-old the fucking hooters i'm sitting them at the bar with me or i'm taking them to a gentleman's club or especially in a school it's like so that's i think that i, I always say back going back to my uh, deadwood days hbo series i love deadwood uh, and, uh, these fun, you're rolling up the fucking hoople heads. You know, if, if you, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like purposely, it almost feels like purposely that we're, they were trying to rile up the fucking hoople heads and everybody's enjoying this. Let's, uh, let's try to piss off people and shit as opposed to, I just want everybody to get along. I, like you said, I want to walk outside. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I mean, how many, how many men have I run into? How many women have I run into the men's bathroom? I don't, I've never. So, you know? but here's, here's the thing when, when, and I don't, I'm speaking completely out of, out of, Content. I don't have a. I don't have kids. I don't have none of this is my responsibility. So I think about this almost none. Um, right. I, and it's I get to all the other things I don't think about either because I don't think about almost anything. But in this case, if I had a kid, there's a part of me that feels like, 
okay, they're constantly going to be out in the world running into things that are unfamiliar to them, things that they don't have context for, things that they need to contextualize. So I feel like as a parent, I'd constantly be answering these questions. What was that? Well, let me give you what I think it is, and let me give you some meaning and some things like that. And I, I probably don't agree with drag shows in schools just on the surface. If, but I, I also am like, if that is capable of breaking your entire relationship with your child and everything you've instilled upon them and all of the beliefs and values that you've tried to guide them to and it's all been dismantled by a 20-minute book reading in school then maybe the parenting was flawed in the first maybe there's a lot of other discussions that need to be had in addition to well that. there might be it's not just one incident it's the question of it growing and, and more and more of the push of it and, and, and the, 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 well, the here, here's a parallel well, here's a parallel, and especially because I see a lot of those news stories coming out of Tennessee. And one of my big beefs with Slade, because we have some serious issues to talk about, is oh, yeah, lots of them. Especially when those, especially when those are generated out of Tennessee, and they're talking about the the sexualizing of the youth and um, gender bending issues as well. When it comes out of Tennessee, which was the well, the second home of Mr. Elvis Presley, when the exact same things were said about this guy with the the, the longer hair, wearing the hot pink <laughs> and shaking his pelvis. Literally, some of the quotes can be transposed from 1956 when he signed with RCA Records to 2022, where he's bringing sexuality to children who should be in church or should be getting a, uh, a more conservative form of education there i i find that the parallels there are exactly the same it, well you you so ultimately you end a, up a parent with... in 1956 saying that <laughs> elvis shouldn't be allowed in your in your your kids schools and you pull him out of your school if his rock and roll sexual um racial mixing sort of um wokeness was put into your kids schools because it all comes down to people feeling like they're it, basically it's us going, hey, the things that I'm comfortable being around and the way I'm comfortable having my life is being changed a little bit. It's it's morphing around me. And I'm not I don't want that to happen. I don't want any of the things that make me comfortable to disappear. So it's been like this forever. What you're saying about the 50s and 60s was the same thing in the 80s, the same thing in the 90s. The every generation, the, the reason I know that the good old days sucked too was because they had good old days that's the mm. the people in the 80s were like remember when it was good old days back in the 50s and the 50s were like remember the 20 well maybe not the 20 but there were you know parts that you're just yeah. constantly looking back and back and back and i think this is just another one of those oh things are changing around me it's my generational obligation to scream and yell and yeah. bitch. get off my it, yard it, it well, goes back you 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 can you can read may west plays and she was around from the 1920s on. And she's talking mm -hmm. about being nostalgic for the gay 90s. What were the gay 90s? <laughs> it was the 1890s. And they called it that. No, that's that's an exact quote. They were called the gay 90s. Yep. And she was nostalgic for that period where that was the good old days. Yep. Well, let me let Every me add to this. Let me add to this about the concern of progression. And once it reaches a line that should not have been crossed. Uh, I agree with you back in the day, you know, in Elvis, you know, 16 year old, 17 year olds, the teenage girls were being cut. What are you doing? Don't why are you getting all hot and bothered over this guy. You know, uh, I get it. And then we get into the seventies, eighties, and now we're talking about condoms and free love and, uh, blah, blah, blah. and that now, you know, now we're in a day and age, we're talking about an eight, nine year olds, people in 
third grade, second grade being taught about homosexuality, let's say that alternative life, so any type of sexuality, let's say, um, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's the old joke. A lot of comics talk about, you know, back in the day, 20 years ago, if you wanted to watch porn, you had to get a film projector out of your dad's fucking closet and put the real, you know, put the eight millimeter in there and roll it. And hopefully you had 30 minutes to unpack it. If your parents came home, now you just get on a phone, you can get, you know, gangbang porn, you know, sister-in-law's fucking, you know, family. So, you know, there, there's a, there's a level of perversion when it comes to society, you know, there, you know, perversion is when basically, uh, taboo type things are entered into the mind too early because then you, you know, listen, you guys still jerk off to this day. You know, listen, guys, you know, that's the first perversion a guy has. You, you find out, Oh, this, wow, that that's nice. And then you never stop. You know, you, you don't well, stop. But it's, jerking that's off. the first you, you don't, but that's also the, the first thing that any new media latches onto, right? It's societally, we are, we are dark twisted people, but the minute, the minute, uh, videotapes came out, it's the shift went instantly from magazines to porn moved into it. Then DVDs came out and porn was all over that. When as soon as the internet came out, they were just finding ways to, and that's, that's any new medium is just going to go straight to that first and it's going to permeate the base layer. And I think we've been like that since, since inception. But, but, but my thing is, is that the level of perversion has gone from, let's say 10, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, age 16, 15, 17. Now it's getting to the point where it's eight, nine, seven. You know, I, I had a stepdaughter is, when, when, she, when she was nine. I, I told my wife, I go, we have to have a birds and the bees discussion with She's like, oh, she's too young. I go, no, she's not. Not with these kids. I, you know, I talk karate. I talk uh, soccer. So but, but I that saw is, these kids, you know, talking about this. that is ultimately what I'm, what I guess I'm getting at is that these are inevitable conversations. These kids are, there is going to be some, I'm not saying that it should happen at this age, but I'm saying, I think as a parent, you have to accept the fact that you are going to intersect with their exposure to these things in the real world. And that's now is no different than back then, right? Yeah. You're either going to find a magazine in the woods or you were going to turn mm. on the Internet and just wait for a second or whatever it is now where it's being flung at you so fast on TikTok and social and all these other formats. But I think as a parent, you just need to be prepared to have those conversations and probably make oh, yeah. the stances you can make locally where if they were doing this down at my school, maybe I would go down there and have a conversation with the school about a specific incident. But when I see a lot of America upset and just have, watching their head all a Twitter over stuff that they've never encountered, are likely to, unlikely to encounter, and are just sort of, like you said, they're, 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 they're whatever you call them, Twitter heads, bobbleheads, whatever they are. People just the populist ma booble, people mad Poople. at the fact people heads people mad at the <laughs> fact that they've been led to anger. That's really it's just well, it, it, the interest, let me just say this real quick. Let me just say this real quick, because when it comes down to it, people are just not because, you know, it's a funny meme that's out there. But like people getting mad about uh, D Dylan Mulvaney on a Bud Light can. The, the same people that are getting saying how why you get mad about that why you get mad about it? the same people that that had to change miss butterworth bottles you know what i mean it's it's the same it's a symbolism in these things that people are making outrageous like which same thing you're saying how outrageous is it you know how, how outrageous well, but it goes that goes that goes both ways and i'm not even saying that i'm far from liberal or conservative but both ways you could say that the people who who were going damn it you shouldn't boycott syrup just because of this are the ones boycotting bud Light. it's both sides are equally as hip hypocritical well it's a game that, that it's a game that these mass mobs are playing now this is the game that has started mm -hmm. because of what's happened and now people are learning well you know what fuck it i don't like what i'm seeing so guess what you know, i'm gonna do you know you can opt out 
<laughs> yeah, just... exactly. That I that a hundred percent agree with that. And and when you go the wrong way in terms of repression, and you go to places like Japan where there's a lot of sexual repression, things things will pop out. You cannot put your fingers in the dam. The places that look for the most gay porn are the places that are the most religiously conservative. We know those things. And the same way that mm -hmm. things can be overexpressed when they're under expressed when they're repressed that can be just as harmful to people as well and i'm sure we all know people who have been in those situations mm. yeah, and i think point. there's a societal pendulum too that swings and we are now on the overcorrection of the last correction and this will correct we, as well you're already you start to see it in especially in stand-up comedy or in film or in tv or in other all these other mediums that are just pushing back a little bit in a weird way and that's not for good or bad it's just how society works this is how we reach equilibrium dougie we're floridians uh florida orange juice used to be represented by who was the woman anita bryant bryant anita bryant yeah yeah exactly so yeah she was this ultra conservative woman in florida representing florida orange juice who knows that you and i know that we're i'm a nerd i know those things he has no idea about that do you think anyone's going to give a shit about who's representing bud light in 20 years in 10 years no no one year there you go all right well i think we did a good job with let's at, let me ask you I, you know you guys can ask me something but fuck it we ran out of time to ask me any question um <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So let's. How uh, do you feel look. about Bud Light, Dougie? That's what I <laughs> listen. I don't drink that piss water. Uh, honestly, I have I have lost thirty. I, I broke under two hundred. I'm going to be in the two thirty range. I was two seventy eight about three four months ago. I'm down to two thirty nine two forty right now. So beer is not on my nice. my, my daily consumption list. Um, Congratulations! But, uh, but heroin get, get is you high back now, in the so. kickboxing ring. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I don't but know. But cocaine that. will drop forty pounds in three months. That's right. Yeah. But just give me a twenty dollar bill and a eight ball. Um, well, you know, this is uh, one of the let's start with the first story. Critics uh, explode over U.S. Navy's use of a drag queen to solve recruiting crisis. You know, and it's interesting <laughs> that the Navy. It's funny when you watch like the Secretary of Defense Lloyd. Uh, I'm trying to Lloyd. I'm trying to remember the the fellow that talks like this, the big black guy. Uh, he was asked in a, in a hearing, you know, what's what's going on? He's like, I have no idea what's going on. It's just so funny. Um, but, uh, you know, do you, I guess the simple comedic question would be, do you think a, a transgender, she's a transgender woman, right? Yeah, a guy who thinks he's, a, okay. So he's a transgender woman. Um, you know, do you, do you think it's going to be effective to get people into military? I mean, is this, is, you know, either way, do we, do we think not? it's going to work? You know, if you're recruiting this the is bravest of the brave, <laughs> this is if you're yeah. recruiting oh, that's the bravest point. Americans, I think that's where else should you look other yeah. than the drag community? Great point. That's, yeah, that's I mean, can a, you imagine? Can you imagine a bunch of guys? There's lots of pageantry. There's a lot of there's marching a, you know, bands, you, everything else. Imagine they're jumping over the bunker. They're coming. They're attacking. They're attacking the beach. And all of a sudden, it's a bunch of guys in fucking bustiers and fucking high heel shoes with, you know, like like oh <laughs> oh you can't shoot them. Somebody pull up a seat. Let's watch this fucking show. Um, you never there, know. There's it might uniforms work. and face paint, and there's there's a lot of uh, uh, the uh, uniform will never and, be and tighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Just Green's prim not our and proper and. You can do your green. makeup in the shoes. You can just green is not shiny. our color anymore, boys. Um, 
Uh, Adidas Pride 2023 women's swimsuit appears to be a model by a man. I don't know if you saw the photo, uh, but it's a dude with a hairy chest wearing a fucking bikini. Now, um, you know, again, you know, like, again, like you, like you said, uh, uh, Slate, you know, I, I saw the picture. I saw the story. I'm like, okay, well, I wouldn't buy this article. I wouldn't buy the, this publication. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if this person, this dude's wearing a, a one piece, I'm like, okay, would, you know, would I buy, would, would I, in the same re- in the same vein, would I buy the swimsuit, uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue with Martin, what's her name? Um, Martha Stewart in there. Martha Stewart. Fucking 80s. Yeah. She's, yeah. so listen, I don't want to see a dude in a fucking bathing suit, you know? And but I don't want to see Martha point, Stewart. Look, fair. You got to look up. This is my, my take on the whole thing. I just, I looked at it and I went, well, that's clearly not meant for me. And then I just, I just moved <laughs> yeah. on. I just, I just, <laughs> I just sort of shrugged and went, well, that's, that's not, that's not for me. And then I went that way. (laughs) It's, it's a libertarian position. I don't necessarily find it progressive necessarily. Just if this is what's going, they're going to try to make money. If that's, what's going to help them make money, they're going to do that. And it, just like with the uh, the the last news story as well, this goes back in history. You can look up Christine Jorgensen, who was a U.S. military man who then transgendered to a woman. This is going back a hundred years now. And the same thing with this. There's bloomers that you know women women shouldn't wear pants. You know, oh, yeah. and then there's the what about is let the people wear whatever the fuck they want to wear. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right, uh, here's an interesting story. Prolific sperm donor with over 500 children must pay $110,000 if he donates any more sperm. Uh, I mean, this guy's got a hobby, obviously, right? I mean, this guy's got a fuck. Some people collect stamps. Spread the love. You know? <laughs> I mean, 500 <laughs> fucking kids. But it's they're they're threatening to, they're threatening to fine him one hundred and ten thousand dollars if he donates again. Which I I I I did the math real quick and I figure it a hundred bucks a throw he's gonna get fined basically double what he's made in his entire career. Yeah. But the 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 particular career. the fact that there's two two things of note. One, the guy just basically decided that the Dutch can't stop him. That's a Dutch law. That's <laughs> which, he's a pirate. He's just, He's just in other countries doing it now, which indicates that he really he can't stop. This man has like I've, we're gonna find you one hundred and ten thousand, and I just picture him on the first bus out of Europe, just yeah. furiously trying to hold it in <laughs> until he gets out of the Shenzhen region or whatever it is he's doing. <laughs> Two. My, my big issue is they, donate. Yeah, we're calling it donation. <laughs> Yeah, I that Dougie's been a charity man for 40, 50s. How many years have you been uh, doing? If you bring work, one more Dougie. bag of clothes to this Goodwill, <laughs> one more bag of clothes, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're yeah. gonna find you. I mean, there's there I mean, is a Dutch law that some someone on the I don't know House of Representatives Parliament they sat down and and had to discuss out loud amongst humans for a prolonged period of time how much sperm a donor could give and how many children oh, you're allowed to have 25 children with a maximum yeah. of 12 mothers they hemmed and hawed about this for how long it was 30 for a while and they go no no you go down to 25 but you can only do it through 12 women just get a sock you poor dutch dude just get a yeah. sock yeah you know get a fleshlight leave it in that um yeah, dude. I mean, you walk into a town, you're like, hey, you look. You wear hey, you two look- socks every day, Dutch guy. You have <laughs> yeah. them. Even if you're Which wearing pro- wooden shoes, you probably still have yeah. socks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 
Next story, lottery players tries to work at, uh, tries to work after jackpot win in Iowa. That lasted about five minutes. Yeah, I know I know a lot of people that I've managed money for a living for 33 years, and I still do. And, you know, there's a lot of, I have some clients who had won the lottery, and uh, they, a couple of them have said, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to go to work, regular guy, and then a day in it. What happened? I told my boss to go fuck himself. Okay. That's what you yeah. do when you got $10 million uh, in an account. So, uh, you know, I guess the question is, if you won an exorbitant amount of money, and I, I'm asking Brian because I don't think he's, obviously he's not about money. If you had won an exorbitant amount of money, would you uh, quit your job? No, I, I take the position uh, that I think uh, Slade uh, does as well, that I'm doing what I really enjoy doing. Uh, you know, I remember at some point I was buying up a lot of dollar store sunglasses. I used to work in the Coral Square Mall at the dollar store, uh, going back to the, the CS people there. And people would say, you know, don't you wish you could afford nicer sunglasses? I was like, no. I, if I had more money, I would just buy more dollar store sunglasses. <laughs> Same thing with traveling around and DJing. It's it's what I enjoy doing. That's what I like. I'm sure there would be some lifestyle changes, some grinds that I wouldn't want it to deal with. But for the most part, I'm doing the exact same thing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%. Played. And I wouldn't quit anything over $21,000. I feel like it's not like he won <laughs> 3 million bucks. He didn't win some life-changing amount. He won change your transmission amount. Like that's not Yeah. That's barely enough money to go get a car fixed. And the best part about it all, I, I read the story, I glossed over the story. I always get entranced by the comments. And it's where everybody just has taken the small amount of time to give their financial advice. It is just <laughs> Oh, you It's so You're going for your job, Dougie. So, us to just come in and find the comment section of something about a dude we've never met doing an activity we're never going to see having an impact on us that's never going to happen and we still got to stop and go you know you need x amount of money because you're going to have to set 30 percent aside for taxes and the other person so when it's all done you're really only walking away with twelve thousand three hundred and seventy four dollars you're like bro go back to work dude i got it <laughs> i got into an affinity Back, I think this was a discussion when they were trying to raise the minimum wage and shit. And we were, I got into a financial discussion with a fellow comic, you know, and he, and, and he he doesn't know my background. He's like, oh, well, listen, you don't you don't seem to really understand economics. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm a licensed fiduciary, you stupid toad fucking smoker. I, I, I and it was funny because I looked at the I knew what and I go, of those words, man. Yeah, toad smoker. But, but I, I said, I said, look, I go, you got fired from fucking Uber. What, who are you to give advice? On, you know what I mean? It's like it's like getting diet advice from a four hundred and fifty pound fucking triple chinned. You know, it's like, and, and how many? Yeah, as a comic, let me ask you, Slade, have you ever gotten advice from a comic who's never left the geographic area? Oh yes, stand up. Yes, it's I get advice from comics from people who've never left. I also get socio political <laughs> advice. It's people who are experts on Eastern European politics, and people who are experts on the debt crisis, and people who are experts on <laughs> gender, and people who are experts on. All of these things that they're experts on every single day, and they're just shooting advice right into my face. And I'm just like, I don't even need 90% of this. And I know you don't know 100% of this. So what are we doing in this exchange? Yeah, good point. Stop with the advice. Well, I'll figure it out. The, the young comics, just like anybody else, man, it's a, it's a, you can, you're talking on a turn. You can always tell. Yeah, yeah. Brian, anything to add to that? No, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think you really nailed it. Everyone's got an opinion on things. It's free to give out, but uh, following through things is a whole other thing. Glenn Greenwald, in in the news stories, he talks about, uh, you know, they're having these now um, misinformation experts, which is an expertise that doesn't even exist. So <laughs> it's easy just to spot out whatever you want to say. It's nuts, isn't it? Um, all right. So uh, there was a couple stories left. Here. Oh, th- we have to go to this story. Um Forget the spider. Woman accused of drugging date in Miami, stealing six hundred thousand dollars in jewelry. She's a prostitute. If you if you want to look up this story, look it up. There's a video of her in the elevator with the poor dude. And uh, it, tell anybody want to argue with me that she's not a prostitute? Uh, you know, uh, she's the a prostitute, the, the chance the chances are high. I I there's other <laughs> ways to steal from somebody too. I'm a fan of the. I'm a fan of the gypsy dog technique, where you you train the dog to eat the jewelry and then you sell it. To, to the person and then they bring the dog home and the dog eats the jewelry and then they run back to you that's way more effective than solo cups full of what i assume is promethazine or something whatever she used to to knock this poor guy out oh. in his hotel and steal six hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry that's on you bro that's not the safe was yeah. open come on man don't act like she got in there and oceaned 11 you all by yourself you were showing look at this look what i got Look what I got. Oh, can I get another sip of that? That's so delicious. Next thing you oh. know, you're staring at your ceiling and she's 600K richer. Come on. Yeah. Where's my shit? Are we sure this isn't an insurance scam? Did the guy not have $600,000 that he owes and now he's going to be able to recoup from that? She's got to <laughs> do a couple of months in jail or whatever and now he's got his money back and everyone's happy. Coincidentally, yeah, the- man who has $580,000 worth of gambling debt is robbed of $600,000 worth of jewelry. <laughs> Coincidence? What's the connection? Uh, exactly. Um, uh, let's go. Let's call it a uh, stupidity driver mad, uh, mad. Somebody honked at him, opens fire, and at the person he opens fire on is a former police officer. Um, no, if we can get into road it, rage. This is the this is my thing. I don't think this is a police officer. If you read the article, it says public public safety. What does it say? It doesn't say police public officer. safety officer. And yeah, public safety officer, which can be a lot of things. Are you are you an actual cop? Are you animal control? Are you a security guard? You just one of those halt motherfuckers. Are you one of those dudes? Like I don't know that this. I think this is just an angry guy who used to be some sort of officer, and they found a way to write an article around that. This dude, for all we know, chaperoned kids' birthday party. You know what I mean? Just a public yeah. safety officer. He's the dude who stands yeah. by the little yellow sign in a Chipotle, making sure yeah. you don't slip and crack yeah. your noggin. That's all it is. <laughs> it's yeah. Former cop. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah he's the guy in the bank. Officer. He's the guy in the bank sleeping. Dude with corner. a whistle at a roller rink. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, our our last story, and I want to, Brian's going to probably take lead because Brian knows about this. China finds co- comedy troupe two million dollars for a joke about the military. Um, yeah, you got to be careful about uh, what jokes you tell in China. Uh, yeah, the, this this I, I'm trying to figure out what angle I should take on this because I could talk about this a long time. And it the the most direct thing I can say is that has had direct repercussions for me. I sent Dougie. Uh, a WeChat message, a Weixin, which is a social media app, where shows have been canceled in China, not just in terms of stand-up, but in terms of all entertainment, including some DJ gigs. I None of my t- gigs were directly 
cut, they they basically gave said a warning. Hey, if we have to cancel this, you know, we're not going to pay you your fee. It's not our fault. Blah right. blah blah. But other gigs, one hundred percent have been canceled because the first thing that they do is they go over the foreigners, uh, uh, expats performing in China. Essentially, what how China runs in a lot of ways is what I call the Casablanca principle. And the Casablanca principle is that the 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 officer comes in one day and says, there's gambling in this establishment and shuts down Rick's Cafe American, where, in fact, everyone knows it's been there the entire time because there's just an uneasy agreement that things in order for them to work are going to have to happen illegally. You're not going to get every performance 100 percent vetted. So everyone knows those sort of things. And then people kind of toe up to the red line. I did reach out to um, comedy organizers here in Shanghai in China, and they asked not to be named. I'm supposed to call them here a friend in comedy. And they take some different positions on it than I would. And I don't want to misrepresent them. See, like, uh, you know, I know Slade was compared to, I think, uh, Hunter S. Thompson in his uh, his memoir there, his book of stories there. And I appreciate people like Lenny Bruce, who I have tattooed on my arm here and that. But people who do comedy here full time, they really take the position that, hey, look, let's just avoid talking about certain things and then we can get on with our gigs. And so um, this is a quote from my friend and. They said, uh, the culture people are actually our friends. When the crunch comes and stuff gets stopped, it's a precaution. We should let them do what they need to do to stay out of trouble. We shouldn't just see everyone as the aggressor and spew this negativity at everything affecting us. It makes the road back a lot harder. You know, people are just like everyone we talked about earlier. Most people don't care about most things. The people who do the cultural security jobs, they're just doing their jobs. I would take the position that's a, that's a sort of banality of evil, that it's not people doing negative, active things, people just doing their job that causes issues. But I've talked on my uh, soapbox here long enough. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, well. It's a it's a I mean, for so for me, there's there's a lot of countries where incidents like this have, have bubbled up. Uh, China certainly being one. Canada, where uh, a guy was fined or sued, or I forget how it went down over, I have to look back at the exact story, over something he did to an audience member that was was untoward, something he said that made her feel uncomfortable and there was a lawsuit involved. And yeah, it's for me, I just look at it as it's a, if I, and I, I am madly and deeply behind stand up comics and in, in parts, places like China or places where free speech isn't um the default setting right like it's i'm a i'm just a free speech uh, i don't want to apologize for it at all i want to tell my jokes and say what i want to say and i want to find the best place for me to do that and i'm not necessarily in the realm of overthrowing the way governments think about speech like i'll do things that you know make sense if there was an opportunity to speak out against it or something you know i'd want my name to be on the side of hey i think this is bullshit but also, if I was a great stand-up comic and I was operating out of China, I'd just leave. It's I'd go find a place better yeah. than that to say the things I wanted to say because the road doing it through China is is gonna be difficult, right? You're in a communist country that is very and hindering and, and hindering. You can't, like you said, you can't. You know, as a comic, you want to, It's like it's it's tough when I go to a show and they go, "Okay, I need you to be squeaky clean, church clean." I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck," you know. It's like. All right. How fun is this? Right. Gonna so be? I think you'd have to be you'd have to take on the role of probably activist before comic, I think, because you just can't develop as a like if you just are looking at 
doing stand-up comedy in a vacuum, right? You want to get good at stand-up comedy? Here's what you need. One of those lists of ingredients is absolutely a stage that you're free to do whatever you want on because that's how you find the line. Stand-up is about playing around the line, and the way you get to the line is by stepping a foot over it and going, oh, shit, that's where the line is. We're going to be right back here. Right. Yeah, you you you've you said before that you're not an activist, that you're almost actively not an activist. You're an activist for non-activism, <laughs> Slade. But I, when I think of the great comedi comedians throughout history, Lenny Bruce, um, you know, uh, yeah, just, just any of them, um, George Carlin, I find that they are activists. And in fact, I kind of like stand-up comedians when they get the most angry and affected and even maybe lose sight of the pure comedy things. I love those late George Carlin specials oh, yeah. where it's, you the, are all diseased. The, the last, the, you know, so he was, he, yeah, he lost like and that. That became, I was going to, the later Carlin sort of became a lot like the later Bill Hicks and some of that, those other guys for me that mm -hmm. were a little more philosophical and preachy than they were punchy and funny. And I, I like them more for those reasons where I'm like, you know, that later Carlin, I don't know if I ever okay. laughed out loud, but I was into it. And oh. it's the, yeah, that level of activism is, is very cool to me. Lenny Bruce had a different fight to fight than I had to fight. Early Carlin had a different fight to fight. It's Bill Hicks had a, that's so awesome. Bill Hicks had a different fight to fight. And now these comics have a different fight to fight. And I'm just, I'm able to look at it from the standpoint of, all right, I got stuff to say, and I should the need arise where I've got to defend stand-up comedy and our right to do this, I will. But right now, I don't feel like I'm in this shaky, cancel culture, weird, uneven ground that everyone yeah. says we're in. I feel like I'm pretty allowed. I wrote an entire special it, it, that, that says all the things I want to say, and I'm able to go on stage and perform it, and I'm about to record it, and it's all exactly what i want and there's nothing in there where i'm like oh i had to take that out because we just live in that society they won't let me do it it's actually i'm capable of not just saying the stuff i want to say but even the stuff they don't want me to say because we live in a world where i'm allowed to do it if i'm clever about it so i just exactly. you know yeah poor chinese key, guy. Yeah. Key, key to the clever part i i, I told the comic a uh, newer comic recently because he told the, that he thinks it's a great cancer joke and it's not. And I said, dude, if you're gonna tell, if you're gonna, if you're gonna tell a joke about rape or cancer, it's got to be fucking really funny and something no one's ever heard. It, other, other than any that, joke, it's, it's, yeah, any joke's got to start there. If you don't start with "Is this funny?", then your point or your soapbox or your message, all that all can get fucked. Value. We're stand-up comics, bro. It's uh, yeah. you got to be that yeah, first. It, Otherwise, go it's, do it's, a TED it's, talk. It's it's difficult to, to to witness that kind of stuff. All right, so all right. That's our segment. Uh, did you hear uh, a few other things? But uh, here's the thing: we're going to close on our show. Uh, let's associate. This is where I bring up a word. Uh, they're all words today, and you guys either share a first thought, first expression, story quickly. Uh, but uh, each each of you guys will rotate on the word, and I'm going to start with Brian. Uh, the word is willingly. Uh, willingly, I uh, willingly. I am heading on the road this weekend willingly. It's all about will. It's all about what you desire and what you want to do. And that's the philosophy that I kind of live by. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What you, what right. think? There's no right answer. Uh, Slade? Oh, same word? Oh, shit. I thought yeah. I was getting out of that one. Um, I didn't have an answer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Willing, willingly, um, very few things. I am, uh, there's only a couple of things that I allow inside of my circle of stuff I want to do. And I'm narrowing that down by the day. So willingly, uh, very few things comes to mind. Gotcha. Uh, you'll be first this time. Uh, provocative. Ooh, um, Lizzo. <laughs> Back to her. There you go. In a minute, Brian. I'm going to need anyway. Here's provocative. I DJed my first kink party in Bangkok. There was, I had my first gig doing a, uh, at a swingers event there. Thailand is going off the rails now because they've legalized marijuana there. So it's become the real party central going on. And there was all sorts of interesting things going on. I had a wonderful time there. And so it was certainly a provocative experience in the first time. There's an old showbiz Bit that if you haven't performed naked at some point in some sort of context, you're not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Flea from the Chili Peppers uh, said that. Um, your first uh, this time, uh, uh, Brian, earth shattering. Earth shattering. Earth shattering. Uh, earthquakes, moving things around, earth shattering. I hope I don't get my earth shattered around me when I do my first pro wrestling uh, event coming <laughs> up. Uh, earth shattering. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. We, I just, uh, I'm just excited to say my YouTube channel, Artscan, we just hit 500,000 subscribers all about nice. Mongolia, something I never thought would hit. So nice. earth shattering news recently. That's earth shattering. Yeah. So they earth shattering. Uh Lizzo. Uh, <laughs> that's gonna be my answer <laughs> When she drops down into that split. <laughs> the uh uh earth shattering is one of those it's I'm I'm a I, it's overused. That's what I'm gonna go with. I put it in the same category as awesome and and break Amazing. the internet and all these other hyperbolic things that we yeah. just throw out that's so earth shattering no she just crossed the street on her own it's really not <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, let me go back i saw the earth shatter when i did something i i wanted to tell slade this i think you're going to be really disappointed in dougie about this because i got some beef with dougie too the very first time i went on wake up late for dougie i got the news when i was doing a dj tour in vietnam he talked about hunter s thompson before we referenced that I was in Da Nang, Vietnam, and I took a colossal hit of LSD. Oh, I was nice. along the beach. I saw, and I'm sure I saw the, the earth shatter more than once or twice. And I called a <laughs> little motorbike taxi guy, and I went through the jungle to where they have the Golden Bridge, that crazy-looking hand bridge you might have seen online. And I was out of my head like i the, if i wasn't actually on the hand bridge I, if i didn't have proof i wouldn't have been able to really testify that and i filmed a promo audio and video for dougie on the bridge like i'm holding on to my hat i am high out of my skull <laughs> and dougie never used it he never used that promo video and i even sent that to him i was in da Nang, vietnam and i just wanted to mention that and that goes back two visits before <laughs> No. And so yeah, one. I think I think that just made us best friends, Brian. Um, and two, he probably didn't use the video because it's just you going. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I'm going to resend it to Dougie. He can re- he can repost it. It's a promo from two <laughs> visits ago to the Wake Up Play for Dougie. So. I he, can he, smell colors. <laughs> you we talked about dangerous experiences before, like going on a little motorbike behind a guy holding on through the jungle in Vietnam was was a wonderful uh, experience. It was one of the better experiences I've ever had uh, on the road. Well, if you resend it, if you resend it, I'll post it before the show airs uh, tomorrow. Um, all right, our last one, fellas, because uh, uh, I'm about to earth shatter my uh, underwear because I'm going to piss in my pants. Um, the last word is uh, deservant. Oh, um, I wish I had one so deservant could bring me some more coffee. Right, <laughs> deservant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I just dad joked it. Did, did, uh, did Lizzo have too much deservance after her dinner? Did <laughs> Lizzo get so fat? She ate all deserves. <laughs> ah, a- <laughs> uh, damn it, Dylan Mulvaney, deserving to be called a woman. Uh, well, that being said, fellas, that's all we have time for you on the Wake Up Late with Dougie Show. I want to thank my good friend uh, and uh, regular guest, Mr. Brian Offenther, joining us today. And, of course, Slade Ham. Uh, Slade, why don't you go ahead and talk about the special and, real quick. And then, of course, Brian will close what he's got going on all over the, in, in Shanghai and in, uh, in China. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm shooting a brand-new comedy special called Signal to Noise. The uh, Kickstarter campaign is up and running right now. We're like 80-something percent, and there's still a week or so to go. I'm very confident in it, uh, but if you'd like to be part of it, I'm giving away some cool stuff. I'll put your name in the credits. There's a copy of my book. There's uh, digital stuff. There's You'll be in the playbill. There's all sorts of things. Uh, I'd love to have people be part of it. There's some really cool producers on board that I can't really talk about, but they're they're good people, and I'm excited about it. So if you want to be part of it, go do it. And then uh, check out my YouTube page. It's probably the only place on social that I'm still super active and excited about. And I think there's some good stuff there at Sladeham. I, I also want to mention that I started reading Until All the Dragons Are Dead, which features quotes from Christopher Titus and Scarface of the Ghetto Boys. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I'm really enjoying it. So uh, definitely Dude, check that out. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I promised a stand-up comedian that I met up with in the Philippines, Anad Rahman, who's a comedian in Dubai. I'd give him a shout-out. So shout-out to you, Anad. Um, please check out Artger, A-R-T-G-E-R. It's a YouTube page all about Mongolia. That <clears throat> I started with some Mongolian friends out there. That's doing really well. And every Sunday... I host a live stream. It's called the Critical Music Club, the CMC. It's an all rock and round table. It changed from musicians, DJs, music writers, and miscellaneous miscreants to meet and talk tunes. We've had some Texas legends like Little Juford from Kinky Friedman's band and all sorts of others. Just hit me up on social media. We got that going on. And uh, shout out to you, Dougie. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being on, guys. And uh, aside from that, I'm going to be in Gastonia, North Carolina, tomorrow night at The Rooster. Uh, and then Saturday, uh, Friday night, I'm going to be in Anderson, South Carolina at the, the uh, Palmetto Distillery, closing both shows. And after that, I'm going to be taking a little break. Everybody got time spent with family. God bless all of you. Thank you so much for joining us and be sure to follow our YouTube channel. Wake up late with Dougie show. Follow me at Dougie Almeida on my YouTube channel. And uh, other than that, God bless. Stay well. And we'll see you next time right here at the same spot.
Ah! <laughs> 